Welcome to the Chicago Beef League podcast. My name is Chip Streif, and I am here Hello, everyone. with Alex. Alex, how are you doing this fine, fine day? Well, it's a Friday, and I kind of have a day off-ish today, so I'm doing okay. It's been a it's been a you know long week, but um, I'm excited to to talk some some World Cup, some Willow, and some baseball. So you know this is the place to be. The most pressing topics in the news today, pretty much. Those are the yeah. big three. They uh, are. They are. They are. And I uh, so uh, as as you just said, we will we'll, we'll get into Willow. We will talk briefly about the World Cup. Um, and we will uh, start our segments of baseball offseason um, with starting pitching. Yeah. And we'll get into what we think are some of the best, the top 10 pitchers. And we'll uh, I'll point out how Alex is wrong and that I'm right. And um, I think we'll uh, close out with probably in a short manner. So for the for the record, we don't we each kind of came up with our top 10 starting pitchers for next year. And we haven't shared these lists. So it'll be interesting. I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of overlap. Um, so anyway, I'm interested to hear who your guys are. And, um, but uh, let's start off world cup. So I'm just going to say one thing. You 100% curse Morocco when you pick them. <laughs> um, and like, okay. well, I curse the netherish when I pick them. Good job. Good job. And we're left with, France and Argentina. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? Uh, I'm um, I'm kind of excited to to see these teams because I don't. I mean, Argentina actually has been bad at, at times in the in, in the the early round uh, with that loss to Saudi Arabia. Um, but France, I feel like, has not really been challenged. Um, did they Did they lose in the? Uh, no. Around. No, I, so didn't they? No. So yeah, you can look it up if you want. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Never lost um, in the group stage. In the group stage. Well, beyond there, obviously they haven't lost. Uh, well, yeah. No, they, they lost. Yeah, they lost to to, to Denmark. Well, whatever. It was, it was so, in the last game when it didn't matter anymore. Yeah, and they probably weren't playing. That's right, and they weren't playing like ninety percent of their people. It was like there's rest. Yeah, it's like French guys. Um, I so my so so do you have a preference for which team wins? You said you're interested in watching it, but you haven't gone as far as you know picking a side or. Yeah, Tunisia beat them one zero on the on Wednesday thirtieth. Um, but whatever. Um, I, I uh, am selfishly rooting for Argentina. Um, oh. Which I know everyone probably would hate, um, but I kind of want to see Messi go out and in style. I, he's been oh. he's actually fun to watch. I think he's fun to watch. Mbappe's fun to watch. He's already won it, and Mbappe's okay. so young. He's going to be in the next one. And I so I don't like Messi. Never really have. I really loved the last game that they played where. I forget the guy's name. The announcer from the U.S. Uh, was just basically saying, "Like, yeah, Messi walks like ninety-six percent of the game, and then he plays like four <laughs> percent. Like, he's always walking." And like, and I was like, "Yeah, like, and I get it. Like, you don't need to, you know, expend energy if you're not involved, whatever." But my bigger problem with Argentina is so. First off, they always choke. Secondly, 
they're just such crap sportsmen. Like they, so I don't know if you remember last World Cup, but they when they were terrible. But there are a couple times where twice where Otamendi, who's the center back for that team, fouled the dude mm-hmm. and then proceeded to kick the ball into the dude's face. And yes. it's similar to like when they were playing the Dutch and they're winning. But their dude decides to kick the ball as hard as he can into the Dutch bench and doesn't get a red card. It's stuff like that where I'm just like, I, I don't like. And it's, so that in conjunction with the fact that maybe outside of Italy, I don't think there's a team in the World Cup. And Italy wasn't in this year. But outside of like Italy, historically, I don't think there's a team that flops and whines as much as Argentina. Like they follow the crap out of people. But mm-hmm. if you touch them, it's like they're gunshot wound victims. Like they, you know, you touch it, like you touch a guy in the knee or in like the shoulder and he's like rolling around clutching his head as though you just tried to take an ax to it. Like <laughs> I, I can't, like, I can't stand it. Like, and, and it's just, so I really don't like watching Argentina. as like uh-huh. their national team play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the opposite of team France, which like Mbappe doesn't flop. Um, Giroud doesn't flop, however he pronounces him, Olivier. Um, and, and they're just so anyway, I'm like, I'm going hard France. I hope France wins 10 to nothing. And that's where I am. Okay. Uh well, you know, I, I uh before the semifinals, I think last weekend, I played uh some FIFA with my son, Maddie. And I realized that Giroud is not even on the starting lineup of Team France in uh in, in FIFA. And right. And he's like the leading goal scorer in like for France. In his no, he's not. He's he's second. Mbappe is. But no, 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 no. You know, in history, uh, he oh, passed. Yeah. He passed the uh, theory Henry. I'm mispronouncing Henry. his name. Henry. Henry. Uh, he passed him with a goal in this World Cup. So um, he's like 39. Um, yeah. So I like Giroud, uh, and I don't have anything against Mbappe outside from him being a Nike athlete. So um, I, I think Mbappe is awesome. I love the fact that he's already won one at like age 19 and now he's 23 and he's in the finals again to win one. I would love it if I just generally like him a lot more than I like Messi and Ronaldo. Uh, sure. So I'm yeah. cool. If he comes down as like being one of the greatest and certainly he's off to a good start. Um, I, it, it's just team Nike versus team Adidas for me. So, uh, which is fair. And that's, that's that is also I, France's uniforms are much better, but I'm not going to get into that. So <laughs> I will say Giroud wasn't in, he was not originally, um, the starter on this team. They have this guy named Kareem Benzema. And if you look him up, he's kind of, I think he won the Ballon d'Or this year. Benzema is like, yeah, well, he's been on Real Madrid forever, but he's he's also like, I'm trying to remember what scandal he was. There was something that had to do with like prostitutes and like blackmail. And I forget what it is. And I forget if he was being blackmailed because he was visiting prostitutes or if he was part of a scam blackmailing somebody else for visiting prostitutes. I don't remember, but he has a checkered past. Anyway, he was there, you know, starting nine. Um, and um, they... I think he's hurt, so he hasn't played. So, like, France is without its best striker, and they're still pretty dominant. And I hope that continues through the rest of uh, the the cup, which is just one more match. Uh, for the record, on Benzema, they're saying that he might come back for the Sunday's game. 
which is kind of crazy. Uh, but now something else is saying that he's out. But because he was injured, blah, 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 blah. But he did have like a some sort of like thing against his teammate that he blackmailed a teammate. That's what I'm saying. He was left off the 2018 team after he was banned from uh, for allegedly blackmailing his teammate, Valbuena. <laughs> Who also, Val, so that's interesting because now you say Valbuena. Valbuena is like the French version of Ken and the Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Look at a picture of like Valbuena and you'd be like, that could be his French cousin. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wait, are we getting, are we suggesting that Ken is, Ken looks like a lot of different people? Well, he certainly looks like that drug dealer that's, uh, you know, the Mexican drug dealer that is is the whole Mexican's uh, origin story. Uh, but yeah, I think he could, like Valbuena's got, I, I, I see some resemblance. I'm not saying that they're like, I identical. Mm, I, see, I see. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm looking at him. I, uh, yeah, basically he's a, he's not a doppelganger per se, but he's. Could be a cousin. Closer to me, uh, closer than I look, uh, look like him. So, uh, I, yeah. Okay. It, it's Ken. So, it's Ken. It's Ken. It is Ken. Um, yeah, sure. So I have a question for you. Uh, any mm-hmm. other tips on the World Cup? Are we going to do a final score prediction? Are we going to do a who scores the first goal prediction? Do you have any predictions you want to make? I mean, I say Argentina wins 3-2. What's your say? I think France wins 5-1. Okay. All right. First goal scored by Olivier Giroud. Uh, I, I bet there's no goal scored in the first half. I bet Messi also gets a penalty, like a gift <laughs> penalty, as their one goal. That's my other guess. It's going to be like, a, oh, you know, Argentina's flopping again. I think that's good. Um, so, uh, listeners, hold us accountable for we're right on any of these or wrong about these because I've already forgotten all of them. Uh, <laughs> can we have some predictions about this week's game? This week's games. Do you, wait, what? Didn't we predict something? I feel like yeah, you this. predicted Morocco was going to go, and I said Netherlands was going to go. Mm. So we were both wrong. Both wrong. We were over Got two. it. Okay, so we're over two. But Got it. Okay. Admittedly, the Netherlands thing was more of a heart. Yeah, decision. same with Morocco. And same with also, Morocco. I said if they weren't playing in orange, then I think they did play in orange, though. Anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, so, All right. Next topic. This is, I think, what I would like to do is like a and i haven't really run this by chip but people who are listening please advise if this is something of interest to you um those listening have the privilege of you know the fact that chip and i are probably two of the world's premier experts on willow i literally named my beef league team after him yes so we, you know, want to, and, and as everyone knows, there's this new series and they're releasing episodes every week. And so I'm thinking we can do like a little Willow segment um, for this first season of this series. And uh, we've already, so Willow, it's, there are four episodes in. And I don't know, Chip, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I have a lot. And my initial take after watching the episode last night was it's too slow i'm getting frustrated with some of the characters and in general my my this is we can get into the specifics but in general i really don't like the fact this is a tv series 
I Interesting. Really, I think this should have been a movie. And it's got a lot of waste. And it's like all of the moment, like the there was a funny moment in the episode uh, last night um, when when Willow's on the throne, and they, I forget what they were commenting on, but like oh about uh, how he turned everyone into pigs, and then the guy asks like, did you turn everyone back into humans? He's like, uh, I think so. And as they're off, yes, as they're they, eating a roast pig that they found in <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, and, it, nope. and I'm like that. That moment to, as a TV series, kind of, I feel like it it gets washed over. But in a movie, that would have been like, I don't know, bigger. It would have been a laugh out loud type of thing. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I, well, so I I love the first episode. I like the second episode. Like the, that that release night was very exciting. I, you know, I I couldn't quite tell the direction the whole series was going to take because to your point like right the 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 borman the character um mm-hmm. he, he's kind of like the mad mardigan right like the right. the vigilante slash you know selfish guy who can be funny whatever mm-hmm. um and i like him so I, I like that character even though so he he's kind of he plays that comedic he has that comedic element i like it but there are times where i feel like they're like um, Kit, the the princess, um, mm-hmm. like doesn't add like she doesn't add that much value. She's just grumpy and uh-huh. it's like annoying. Her lover, like what, like that could be interesting. Um, the guy with the flute, like whatever. Um, but they're, like they're, it's it's almost like they're they are trying to add in comedy based on like modern. Um. So, so what I'm thinking of, right, is where he's telling the story to Kit. He Borman is telling the story um, about the um, this this armor to Kit, and then she says, like, okay, like get on with it. And he's like, your generation, you know, doesn't like whatever, doesn't like stories, or like just does is like too impatient or whatever. And I'm like, that's like something I would say about like Gen Z or millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something yeah. that I think would apply like to. Like, it's just not a comment that I, like, anyway, it didn't apply. So I'm struggling as we get deeper into this with some of the characters. Yeah. Um, but but I, I, part of the thing that I like that they're doing, and, and this is something that I've read about, was, like, they're, they're really kind of taking parts from the movie and providing more background. Like, why did Bab, what happened to Bab Morda, right? Like, why did she become this evil sorceress? And they kind of talk about that. And... Um, and they're going to do the same thing about like General Kale, and they're kind of incorporating these backstories and this history that is missing from the movie. And I think it's I like that, right? Um, but the direction in which they take some of that, I'm kind of like that's dumb. <laughs> and like sure. so, so for example, like episode three, there's this thing called the Lux Arcana, okay? And it's like historical Willow times, whatever this uh, Fay, which is like what a fairy. It, like mom makes this armor for her weak son. And then they have this Lux Arcana thing that basically powers that armor to protect its wear. Mm-hmm. But that thing looks like it's straight out of Star Wars. Like totally. it has this like green lights and all this stuff. And like, they don't even have electricity. Okay. If she can make that and this has all these green lights. Hold on. Hold on. They have magic. Okay. 
So like, yeah, but I don't see magic as being like a green light. Like magic, it could have been the same thing that she plugged in and twisted that created the, the magical thing. It didn't have to look like something out of Star Wars. Is my mm-hmm. point. Like okay. I just, it, it it struck me as something like that an alien would have dropped on their planet and not something that was magical. It struck me as like something from the future. And I really like it. Really bothered me when I'm looking at that and I rewatched it. And I'm just like, that's dumb. Like mm-hmm. it just looks dumb. And so, and part of me, like, I, I think that what I'm getting concerned about potentially, and I know I'm talking a lot here, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of getting concerned that it's almost got, when we're looking at these, like the new Star Wars series that came out in recent years, right? Like Mandalorian, sure. Book of Book of Boba, um, or Book of Boba Fett, whatever, mm-hmm. um, Andor. So, like, Andor, yeah. Andor, I love that series. That is, I thought that was so well done. I think it's done for adults. I think it's it's not like there's not comedy in it. it's not like a light thing it's like a, it's a serious series and yeah okay. mandalorian i liked it but a lot of it was kind of like this john favreau who i don't like his kind of like oh let's make this funny let's like try to make this relatable and i'm worried that like willow's going to be a little bit more like the mandalorian where mm-hmm. it's going to be like oh like the whole point is so that it's like you know funny and, and i'm kind of like no like Willow is probably the most serious movie and most important movie ever made. And they're making a comedy out of it. And I don't know if I like that. Uh, okay. So number one, this is why you're not a TV critic. Okay. This is also why they should have consulted me before they did this, because I would have just told them, take the green lights out of Lex Arcana and no one's going to complain about it. Um, so you wish it was more like an Andor than a Mandalorian. Okay. Correct. I get, I get that. Um, I did. I'm not. I, I liked Andor. I didn't think it was as good as everyone's talking about. I. It was a little bit too dense, and I didn't. Maybe because I. I'm not a huge fan of Rogue One, and I. I hear people who say they love Andor is because they love Rogue One, and I'm like, meh. I but, see. I like Rogue One. Meh, and, so the, the thing is, like, I think the Star Wars universe is so. So, for example, like I like Rogue One. I like Andor. I like Mandalorian. I also like the solo movie that a lot of people didn't like. And the solo movie did have a lot of like the comedic stuff. And it was like, but the, the Star Wars universe is so big that you can kind of pick and choose. This one's going to be more funny. This one's going to be a serious thing. This is going to be whatever. And they have that flexibility. Whereas like, there's only one Willow. So yeah. Anyway, I getting back to Willow. Uh, I understand your, your, your concerns do you um, yeah, i do um i because i i don't i think we both we actually have have different uh takes on the series but in general we are uh we like elements of it but we're not like we don't think it's uh is as we would perfectly design um i think it's getting it might it, it, it could be it could get better over the next couple episodes um this la- last episode it it's setting up uh kind of the next couple episodes i hope uh to being interested I, we, we need some like action we we need some we don't have any like surprises so far um and what? really ha- and i feel like they haven't gotten into willow they've they've been kind of talking about everyone else aside uh, outside of him and yeah and i don't know like do you get the sense that they're going to come back to that and do anything about willow i i yes. kind of feel like yes. see i don't know man like i hope they do but i'm kind of getting the sense that they're they're using him as a way to introduce this storyline to a new audience, to a younger generation. And it's really going to be about 
the kids moving forward. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Willow dies at the end of Whoa. this first season. No, no, that's not going to happen. The, I, 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 I read going. that the, this season is about Alora Dan, um, that they, they there's going to be an arc about her. Uh, and well, the whole so, series is about her basically. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's actually, teacher. it's, it's finally like, uh, seeing through the, the, the rest of the story about Laura Dan. Uh, the movie was basically the beginning. This is the the rest of it. Right. Um, no, it's so. uh, like it makes sense. That path makes sense because at the end of, I mean, she was the the future. She was the chosen one in the movie. So it makes sense for the series to the arc to be about her. Um, I th- I think that they did like so. I think like you know one of the twists that we have um, is about the flute player um, that the prince. You know, like he he references kind of he did something in his past Mm -hmm. and his dad hates him for it. And then we get a kind of a view of what that may have been. Um, He's also super knowledgeable about kind of everything. So including, you know, these goblins and all this crap uh, and being possessed and whatnot. So I don't know. Like, I think that's going to be a twist. Um, Just that was the end of of episode four. Um, For those who haven't watched, you'll. Uh, it's not a spoiler, but, um, you know, you, you kind of get a glimpse into what might be a little a twist. Um, Question. Yeah. Question. Have you seen the, the Witcher? Yes. On Netflix? Yes. And you like it? I've only seen season one. Okay. All right. Well, I can't really then talk about the, the bigger point, but the Witcher uh, on, is on Netflix. It's I, I really like it. I encourage people to see it. It stars uh, Superman. <laughs> yeah, Henry Cable, uh, and he, he he's a monster hunter. Um, but what I was going to get at is like uh, in season one, he's essentially trying to protect a uh, this this girl uh, who turns out to being like another what do you call it, like wizard or whatever yeah. sorceress. Laura um, basically. Yeah, exactly. And uh, hold uh, on one second, everybody. Hey Google, stop my timer. I'm making some Lithuanian food here, folks. So I've got to make sure it doesn't burn. Anyway, Chip, sorry. The Witcher. My point of The Witcher, and it's similar to Laura Dannon, but the, in The Witcher, that on her, she's an element. And my concern is uh, with Willow that they're going to be, it's all about going to be about Laura Dannon. I really wanted to get back on Willow, um, but I know that they probably say like the movie was about him. Oh, this is going to be about Laura Dannon, and, and it'll go from there. I hope they don't, he doesn't die. Last question I have for you on Willow. Um, I, how do you, what do you think about like Warwick Davis's acting here so far? (laughs) Okay. So he tripped at the beginning of episode four. Do you remember this? Yes. Did you think that there was a very convincing fall? I don't know if anything that he does is very convincing. It's always been the case. I mean, I'm not saying that Warwick Davis is Oscar worthy in any performance. Uh, but like, I don't know. Part of it's just like, it's, it, and I like, again, this, this whole, it's not about him to your point. And like, I get that it has to be about Orlar Dannon, but they could do a lot more about Willow. So that they more. Have- yeah, like that they're kind of like they're ignoring it. And that's where I'm kind of worried that like they're just going to write him out so that they can continue with, you know, these young kids who, you know, are like millennials. And I don't want Willow to become like a story about like millennials. That's dumb. My, my theory is they would have named the show something different if they had that intention. 
I don't know. I know because then no one would have, nah, I don't know. I, so anyway, that's, that was my last thing that I wanted to say. It was just like, I, I'm, I'm growing concerned after my okay. initial excitement. Okay. I'm growing concerned in the direction of the show. And I think that we really need to do frame this and start writing some letters to the, to the writers. Um, uh, you, you absolutely should. Um, like, I'll consult for free. I don't need to get paid, but like, I should at least have review of the scripts or be in the room just to be like, that's dumb. Like that's <laughs> not at all on par with what we'd expect from Willow. Um, we don't have any hookups in the uh, in Hollywood, do we? No, but like if we started do if everyone in Beef League would sign on to my letters, uh, I think we would we, mm. we could get some traction. You know what? I think we should delegate this. That's a good point too. <laughs> I think uh, Sunil, you're you've been delegated to. No, 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 not to anyone. Beef League. I don't trust that they're going to do it. I, I I'm thinking your employees. Uh, you 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 what? You manage like 30 people. You could find one who's responsible for sending emails and letters for us all the time. No. Okay, well. No one has seen the movie or heard of the movie. I don't know how they got a job with you then, to be honest. (laughs) Look, look. We used to have standards, Chip. My standards were you're not allowed to come from Ohio State University. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's basically it. And if yeah. I if if I said oh, my other one is you need to know sequel, but if I said you had to have watched, <laughs> <laughs> like I think all I wouldn't get any apple very many applicants. That's a that's a Venn diagram that's super duper small. But I mean, the one that you the ones that you would get would be spectacular candidates. Uh, you're weeding out you're weeding out like you're weeding out the millennials that are probably watching this series being like oh this is like yeah i relate and it's like i don't want millennials to relate to the willow story they're not saving the world i'm i'm confident that our audience is really wanting us to talk about baseball and not yeah. about uh, my hiring okay. practices okay but, okay so let's but let's take a break i like di- i like diversity and i don't uh, and i enjoy people not having the same um uh, favorite movies as I do. It's okay. You also like Tom Cruise, so that's your thing. Okay, we're going to take a break here uh, to to listen to our sponsors, uh, and we'll be right back. We're back. Bring it. All right. We are going to look at our top 10 starting pitchers for 2023. And uh, I will let Chip, I'll let you go. Um, I, I, used, I really used two metrics here, or three. Okay. To, to kind of guide me and I'll go into that later or, you know, when it's my turn, but I, I figured I'd start with you to see what, what you were using to, to kind of come up with these rankings. Uh, well, um, there, I don't believe in a single metric guiding it like, like war or K's or I don't know, ERA or something like that. Like, you need all the, all sorts of different metrics and like ground ball percentage is also very helpful and uh, means something to me. Um, and I, this is kind of a hint, but like the, with ground ball percentage, I'm calling this one out. It's just like Framber Valdez yep. was a, has a ridiculous ground ball rate. Is that con- going to be consistent year to year? Probably. Um, he, he is in my top 10. I'm glad that you brought and, that up. And, but on the flip side, there's some guys who have a very low ground ball rate. So like Justin Verlander and Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa all have a pretty darn low ground ball rate. Does that mean they're screwed over? No. 
Um, I like all three of them. Um, not all of them in my top 10, but so I don't, I don't have a metric that tells me, uh, one thing, one that I'm, that I find very interesting when evaluating players is, is the strand rate LOB percentage that tells me just like how, you know, if they put someone on base, do they score and, and, or if they didn't score in this case, and if someone has a really high left on base percentage, that number usually comes down in their ERA, you know, gets adjusted in the next year. Um, and like one player that I just mentioned, Manoa, he has a really high strand rate, as does Otani, uh, as does Dylan Cease. So you might be sensing that, like, I believe some players are going to come back to earth from great 2022s. And I think some players might move up in 2023 um, from their previous year. Um, so I don't have a single metric, but I still stand by like, you know, strikeouts are are more are better than most metrics. Yeah, I, so the things that I looked at specifically were, um, I, I really like the metric, the um, strikeouts minus walks. Sure. And um, I don't know how many folks use that or are familiar with it, um, but, you know, it, it's one of those where I, I look at that as an efficiency thing, but also as like a, a stuff thing, right? Like, um if you're striking out a ton of people and not walking a ton, that's a lot of value. If you, you might be a great strikeout pitcher, but if you're walking everybody, you know, your early, early career Max Scherzer. Um, so, it, it, which is to say that I think, you know, to your point, I still look at like K percentage strikeouts and try to look for guys maybe who are there, but don't have the command yet. And then to see if that's somewhere that they can improve and maybe be a breakout. But um I just looked at Sierra and then also strikeouts. So um, interestingly, like, you know, the, in comparing uh, strikeouts minus walks and then Sierra, a lot of the same names come through and that's really kind of what builds built my top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if we just want to get started. I, do you want to list yours and then I'll list mine and then we can talk. We'll go do your top three and then, and, and we'll go three at a time. I think. Okay, my top three. Uh, Jerry Cole, Corbin Dallas-Burns, and Justin Verlander. Interesting. Okay. And who are your top three? Uh, Burns, Nola, and Gary Cole. Okay. So Burns and Cole were good on. You like Nola. Mm Mm-hmm. I do have Nola in my top 10, mostly somewhat reluctantly because I just don't like Aaron Nola. Never have, never will. <laughs> um, and, and I'm curious, like, so I guess, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that I look at him and it's like, they always say like, well, if he can get his home run, um, you know, problem under control, he could be great. It's kind of like, well, he doesn't really, hasn't really done that. Um, and I just don't like it, consistency wise things like that like I, i'd rather have justin verlander i think justin verlander is a much more consistent uh outcome pitcher than nola like verlander unless he's pitching the playoffs rarely gets shelled like rare like once or twice and nola i think is one of those guys who can be dominant but also gives up more than his fair share of like five or six run games uh Okay. Nola's uh, home run rate was 0.83, which... It's like best of his career. 
best of his career. Yeah. Um, and, but like that's some people are really nitpick, like his, he has 13 losses, blah, blah, blah. And right. Like, well, that's not a meaningful thing. Um, Agreed. But, I, no, I'm not even saying like, I don't care about wins and losses. That's not what I'm, I'm looking at. Like, again, no, no, like, no. agreed. So I, I think that honestly, Nola's at his peak. Um, and that he, this is this is the like three year run where he's going to be he he might win a, a Cy Young is my my theory why I'm putting in that spot all the things point towards there's nothing that seems um like uh wrong his home run to fly ball rate was his best of his career could it bounce back it could but he's I feel like he's going to be on a really good team with a good offense this next year um I think they're going to get better. Uh, he's got a good de- a catcher to to help him, and he, he and he. The, the one thing I just haven't mentioned is innings. I think innings are so underrated, um, and he has done. I mean, he did 180 last year because I think he was injured. Uh, no, he did 32 starts. It just didn't have that the um, innings per um, start as high as the previous years. But he's done. He's had three 200 inning uh, years. He's improved every year seemingly. Um, it seems to just he's in he's in a good spot where he's yeah I think he's going to be a very very safe uh, top pitcher and when we as we're going through the rest I think more as we go through these other pitchers they have more questions than he does to me yeah and and I think the fair thing to look at when you look at Nola right I I feel like he's one of those part of the issue that I have with Nola historically. Is that in an example of this is like if you look at his fielding independent pitching stats versus his actual ERA, like he just strikes me as one of those like which is to say his his FIP right, which is basically if you take out if it's just him and, and the hitters right, that you're taking out fielding, he's got a two five eight ERA. His real life ERA is a three two five, and you look at that and you're like, he's got room for improvement, but I feel like historically he's always been that guy where his FIP is always better, but he's just either unlucky or whether it's home runs or whatever it is. Like, I just, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that ever gets under three uh, in ERA. And and not to say that that's, you need to have that. But I look at that and I'm kind of like, and and it's, and I understand that this is when I, I had Cole as my number one and Cole is a guy who, you know, he had like a three, five ERA this year. So, you know, it's, which is higher than Nola's. So acknowledging that I still just don't buy Nola that much. And and it's a personal thing and I get it. So, um, whereas I think Verlander, like I get it, the dude is 60, but, <laughs> and, and his stats are declining, right? His K per nines, it's, it's above nine, but it's still lower. And, and, but it's just, he's so damn consistent. And, um, which is why I, I, I have him in my top three. Also, he's on my team. So, you know, um, okay. So we've got, we've got Cole Burns, JV, you've got instead of JV, um, Nola, my next three are, um, uh, Shane McClanahan. Okay. Uh, and then I have, this is, this is a tough one. Um, I have Kevin Gossman next. And then I have Nola at number six. Ah, you have Gossman. I know. I know. I like, I, I hate it because uh, I just hate it because he's terrible, but he's, he's been pretty good these last few years. And, and I think frankly, last year was his first year in Toronto. So I would not be surprised if he did better next year. 
Um, okay. Okay. I, just, I, I believe that like players who leave that first, that, that first year that they go to another team there have, I, I don't know if pitchers and hitters, it's the same thing, but I do know that they're, this is like an Eno Saris type, you know, like what's the players who leave their first year on their other team, you know, is it, do they underperform? And usually I think they do. I don't have the percentage. Um, so I don't want to speak too much on that, but I certainly believe that to be a fact. I hear you. Uh, for the record, I think uh, Gossman is in my top 10 and uh, he's very similar to Nola where I, I actually think that like next year he could put up the same numbers and have he could a half a point be at like two eight and it wouldn't. Be oh, it, sorry, Chip, can you also can you also um, well, Gossman is only a two pitch pitcher, but uh, no, I just want to say, can you give us Shohei Otani? We didn't address that at the top. I think we should address that now. Can you? We're not including him. In we're not including this. Otani, but if he were, he'd probably be in the top ten. Yes, De- right. well, he'd definitely be in my top five. Uh, but he, we are the owner. Uh, his his fantasy beef league fantasy owner does not use him as a pitcher, so we are excluding him here for for beef league purposes. Sure. Okay. Sunil. Sorry. So go ahead. So who, who's Jeez, four, five, Sunil. and six for you? Yeah, four, five, six for me. Uh, I I have Verlander. As I, as much as I pooed him, uh, Sandy and Valdez. I like him. And then, uh, so I, we we already talked about uh, Verlander. I just Verlander, you say consistent. I see high strand rate, low ground ball rate. I wouldn't be surprised if he had he gives he gives up more hits next year. His ERA goes up from one point seven five, which is crazy, and goes yeah. to like three point two, which is still really 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 good. And he you know puts up nearly two hundred innings. I'm with you. I just don't so, think he's going to repeat a one seven five year. Right? That's just bananas. No, I, I'm with you. But like, so his F, his FIP last year was two four nine, which right. is so which which is to say, like, even though he outperformed, like that means that he's theoretically like not theoretically. It's that would suggest that he's maybe lucky, right? Like if it was yeah. feeling independent, he'd be two two five eight or two four nine rather. Yeah, his BABIP was two forty. It's probably going to be two eighty next year, and if, if the that thing happens. Is, like, but he, I think he's moving to a more. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Shea not Shea, whatever the new stadium is there, the Mets stadium, isn't that mm-hmm. more pitcher friendly than Houston? Mm, a I think little. Has, I think I, he has an upgrade in terms of home park this year. Uh, a little. I yeah, a little. I I don't think it's enough to care. In my my estimation. fair enough. Yeah, which which and also there's a there's a question of does, is that even worth looking at? I mean, I like we're the point of this is kind of trying to find guys that it doesn't matter where they pitch, right? Like, exactly, like, they're uh, that good. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. that's getting into the theme here of uh, in the top ten. I really don't see a lot of, a, a massive difference. We're going to nitpick things. Um, and one one example is like Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara. I have as yep. number five. Um, I have him as my number. Uh, he's my number ten. So, like, we, we're going to quibble. His ERA is probably going to go up next year, but he had Correct. 228 innings. Is, are we going to? Is there any evidence that he's not going to do that again? I mean, the dude, con, the dude's got good control. His caper nine's eight. It's probably the lowest of the guys I'm, uh, that I like. Um, right. Same. His bad pip is going to go up, but everything else suggests like maybe his caper nine might go up next year. He might have 200 and something. Uh, strikeouts i think that there's just too much value the, the problem his problem is wins and he had 14 last year for the the lowly marlins 
So like he's I think he's just like a rock. Like who, whoever owns him, John or whoever, um, or is it Josh? No, Josh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just a a rock solid uh, pitcher. But I think the difference between him and who we're going to talk about, at, like number ten, is is like marginal difference. There's you, you, there's really nothing. I wouldn't I wouldn't like trade up to get him. I think almost one through ten are pretty interchangeable. Yeah, and and so with yours, yours were again. You had JV Framber Alcantara. They're all on my list. Um, I, I I think you're absolutely right about Alcantara. I mean, the volume alone. I mean, he was the the volume and the effectiveness and efficiency in, with which he pitches make him honestly kind of like a a unicorn. Like there aren't a ton of guys that will throw that many innings, and his his K per nine isn't like you know, 10 or 11 or 13, but like, he's going to, he had the most complete games. He's going to go seven or eight most of the time. And then you get guys like cease who like, he's going to go five or six and sure. He's going to have like 30,000 strikeouts, but he, even in those five or six innings, he's not putting up the ratio stats as well, as good as, as Alcantara. So um, I'm with you on him and, and Framber, I just want to point one thing out um, with respect to Framber. Do you know his ground ball rate? I do. 66.5%. Yep. And the next highest ground ball rate is last year. I'm, was, I, I'm looking at it. So, it's but, uh, Logan Webb. At like at 63, 56. 56.7. <laughs> so he's almost 10 percentage points higher in ground ball rate than the second best. And um, should be on my team for the record because Team Sonical accepted a trade with me um early on and then said you know probably got a lot of negative feedback from people who know anything about baseball and then tried to get out of making the trade but um there was a reason i was targeting framber and i i do think he's um you know for, for so for me now that we've done it's my my seven through ten it's framber rodon darvish and alcantara ah Okay, you have Darvish. I was so I have a my note about Darvish. All all it says is ugh. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> every, every, when you look at his stats, you, you just get kind of like, oh shit, he had a really good year. Yeah, uh, no, I know it's as, as the guy who uh, has him on his team, he is so frustrating sometimes because it's like, and, and it is like I cannot tell you how many games last year I started the Padres games. I'll start it when he's pitching and I'm watching and he gives up two solo home runs in the first inning. And I'm just like, I don't need to put myself through this. I don't need to sit here and watch this guy blow it for me. And then the next morning when I wake up, it's like you Darvish seven innings, two earned runs, you know, <laughs> 10 strikeouts. And I'm like, Oh, uh-huh. so you're like, sure. Here's a first inning problem. Um, he had but- 16 wins. Yeah, like I think so. It's it's tough because I, I'm kind of concerned about these new rules because, as we all know, or if you don't know, you Darvish is like the slowest worker in the history of fantasy. Okay, well, I I, I that was why I uh, called out the name Steve Traxel as my uh, my login name here today. Uh, there's a couple pitchers that are going to be impacted, and I would I do wonder about them. That's why I don't have them in my top ten. I have them just on the outside looking in. Okay. There's a couple other pitchers that are going to be impacted. Well, hold on. So round out your top 10. Oh, yeah. Um, seven, I have, I have Carlos Rodon. 
uh, number eight, Scherzer, number nine, Musgrove, and number 10, Gossman. Okay. Um, and so I have Darvish, McClanahan, and Julio Arias on the outside looking in. Um, Interesting. 13, uh, 11 through 13. Uh, just briefly, just uh, we'll get to my seven to the ten in a second. Just briefly, I mentioned Darvish. It's kind of surprising. He's just old, and uh, I don't know if he's going to uh, replicate it. His caper nine is down his, versus his history, I think. And right. his walks are good, um, so maybe this is sustainable. But um, I think he got lucky. Um, that's his. His problem has always been when he struggled. It's walks. That's yeah. that's been he's his got a big... good walk rate. Um, Right. So he's like, if, if he keeps his walk rate down, it's kind of like a, you know, um, I, I think, especially like when it's the Cubs, right? Cause he's, he's home run prone and he's walk prone in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's he's, disastrous. That's yeah. disastrous. But this year, um, he's, I, I still felt in my experience that he's home run prone, uh, but he's wasn't putting as many people on base, which like, if you give up three solo home runs, who cares? Like that's yeah. three runs in eight innings with whatever, however many strikeouts. So, um, I, it, he's one of those guys where like week to week, he drives me nuts. But when you look at the end of the season, it's kind of like, yeah, that was a good season. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's probably a lot better than, than head to head. Um, all right. And just moving off of Darvish. Um, I, I yeah, am so I have McClanahan you're on, on the outside. I have, well, I'm, I have McClanahan on the outside. The only comment I was going to make is that he was injured at the end of the year. Um, I'm nervous about his injury and the Rays have this history of like pitchers who break out, are awesome and then they just get their arm torn off um and i think of glass now and uh, snell and in all those right. others and like it's i just worry that the he's never gonna get to seven innings and be healthy and like a workhorse i feel like he's just injury prone that i might be crazy and then my, the other one is urias all the stats suggest he, he he got a ton of wins and he was really lucky last year but you you've been a believer in him um did you have him in your top 10 no, I didn't. And the reason I did like, so here's the thing, like, so for starter, like he, he plays for the Dodgers and he, you know, they, they toyed around with him as a reliever in all sorts of different roles. And, and I think it wasn't until like they won that world series where he actually closed it out, like the final however many innings that I was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, maybe this guy, you know, um, is going to be, we'll get the fair shot at it. Um, mm-hmm. the thing with him though, is like, I just, his, his, it, I'd be interested to look up his stuff, the, um, you know, Sarah's metric, because I feel like, like it, it, it has to do with like, he's, he's not a big strikeout pitcher. Um, and that's where it's like, I, I, I think he's got a lot of value, but I don't like, he's not a top 10 guy for me. He's just not. Right. And just my um, only com- the other comment was his fit was almost two runs higher than his actual ERA. So like, I bet he's in the threes. He's in my top 20. Um, yes. I think yeah, he's really top good. 20 for sure. He's still good. Um, but it's kind of just, he's like a, he was just, I think he had, it was lucky, um, but he's young. And I mean, he's, he's not, doesn't have health issues from what I gather. Uh, so anyway, back to my seven through 10. Um, so I, I had uh, Rodon at seven. He just got signed by the Yankees. You yeah, get all over I, that. Uh, but I still think like he was basically the best pitcher in baseball from in war last year for the Giants. Uh, I think I wonder if he's past the injury concerns that people keep calling out. I say maybe he he's he's gonna be awesome until he gets injured, and that's just the way he is. I wonder. So here's my question: 
it, because I think he's he's really interesting because to your point, like he was dominant as hell last year, um, and if basically carrying over that you know two two years ago at the White Sox, he had a great two thirds of a season, yeah, um, and, and he based last year he showed he can do that over the course of a full season, uh, which I mean if he does, then he is in my mind he's probably going to be a top three pitcher this year. Yep, I guess. I just, I'm not a huge, I cannot, there's no statistic that is going to support the following claim. This is just my hunch. And my hunch is every good pitcher that goes to the Yankees, whether it's a like emotional, like personal, like issue with the pressure in New York or whether it's the state, I, I don't know. But like, I'm thinking of like Garrett Cole numbers mm-hmm. went up. Um, I'm looking at like Frankie Montas, who was fairly almost, I wouldn't say dominant, but like dude was a ground ball machine um, in Oakland and he goes to the Yankees and he can't pitch there. And so I'm just concerned that like Rodon is super competitor. I really like him. This all just pisses me off because it's like the Sox let him go without even putting out a qualifying offer. Um, and just imagine two years ago what the price and the contract would have been for a six-year deal for him versus what he's doing now. Um, so hold on, you know, I yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think you're bemoaning that the Yankee effect is serious, and I don't think it's. I think it's uh, negligible, really. Cole's numbers. I mean, the the bigger complaint I would have about uh, Cole is I thought he would go deeper. Um, his his caper nine, I mean the, the big thing is like the Houston days, where he was I think his peak. Um, I wonder if something's that was just that was out that was crazy lucky just really, and what he did last year in twenty two with the Yankees is basically you're what you're gonna get every year moving forward. And he's I think he's got it before four or five more strong years uh, like this. Sure, let me get it one more beer. Al. There it is. It's my fault. I know. And we're back. That was a nice, refreshing break. We are Dude. back. Uh, for those who are listening, hours have passed. Days have passed. In fact, Willow Episode 5 may or may not be in my possession. So is it better than 4? I'm just, just curious. I haven't seen it. It releases on Wednesday, just like it does for everybody else. Anyway. Okay. So, well, so we were we where we left off. We were talking about seven through ten, uh, and particularly Arias and whatnot. Um, we we briefly touched on like my my seven, eight, nine, ten. Very briefly recalling this: Rodon, Scherzer, Musgrove, and Gaussman. And I feel like we've touched on all of them. Scherzer, he's just a monster. I, I he needs to die for me to lose. Well, okay, so we're not going to wish that on Max Scherzer. No, no, but I, I'm I'm a believer of just like Verlander. I think that they're going to be good. There's no reason to have any belief that they're going right. to fall off. Um, but we haven't touched on Musgrove. Uh, what do you think about him? You know, I so I, I've watched West Coast. I've watched some Padres games. I've watched a number of the starts. Um. I get so my vibe in watching it, I, or sorry, my view in watching him. I get like Lucas Giolito vibes. Ooh, interesting. And I just feel like, and, and that's just, I mean, both from, you know, 
I, I don't think he's incredibly consistent. And again, I'm I'm pick I'm picking and choosing of the games that I watched and stuff. But I just remember him getting like he gets rattled really easily, and it's like I don't know. So I, I just I, I don't I don't have that much faith in him. Clearly, he's you know top thirty, top twenty. He's going to go in the first round. The question is, is he like? So, for example, like, would you keep him over Zach Gallon? Yes, because you have him in your top ten. Yeah, I do exactly. I mean, yeah. that's the point of this top ten. Is it is it a substantial difference? Not really. I mean, that's that's where I'm saying. Like, I, like I don't. He he wouldn't make my top ten. I'm not as high on him as other people are. I get it. Like, he's again a first round pick. I'm not saying he's. I just I don't know if I don't know how much faith I have in in him getting better. Fair enough. Uh, did you watch the playoffs at all? I mean, come on. Um, no. Yeah, but that's a different end. Like, so, but to, so to your point, like Verlander had a 1.75 ERA, but he can never pitch in the playoffs. Like he's been a terrible playoff pitcher. So in, in this year, he wasn't size. that great. Small sample size. Look, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, and then, and then you like, look at the White Sox. We had like four, uh, back in, in, uh, 2005, we had like four complete games from guys that you'd look at other than Burley. You'd be like, really? Like. Contreras went nine innings like <laughs> you know what I mean like and oh, John Garland like Hernandez. um was it leaving or, or El Duque no no, no it was Freddie it was sweaty Freddie uh, was on the team but that that was it was sweaty Freddie Garland early Garland and uh Contreras yeah that is lightning in a bottle What's that's never gonna happen Garland? again that's right but that's my point like so is Musgrove like playoffs lightning in a bottle or is he I, I don't know he's just not my favorite guy Okay. So I, fair enough. Top Some 20 things... for sure. Um, probably top 15, but like around 15. Like I see a lot, him a lot closer to guys like Gallon and, and some of the other guys. Like yeah. Urias, I think, is better than him. So he'd be ahead of him. Um, yeah. I mean, we already talked about Urias and I, I have like Urias like th- two spots back. So, so wh- why do you like, why do you like Musgrove? There's certain things of like growing and trajectory and like, you know, if you're in the big, I mean, we, we mentioned casually about Verlander and uh, insurers being old geezers that are just going to keep doing robotic things. He seems like he's a, a late bloomer. Um, his first full season was 26. He's, you know, he's only had three fullish seasons. He has no injury issues. And the things that are, that get me are more so are, are is just his, the, the run prevention. It's not really a, a, a strand situation. Um, his home runs, he gives up a, some home runs, 1.09. It's consistent year to year. It's 1.11 to 1.09 to 1.09. I mean, he is, he, you you don't claim he's consistent. He actually is, and I think he's, he's getting better. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another step forward. Um, and I like, think of the, the latter half of the year. I'm, I'm pulling this straight out of my ass. I'm going to look at this while I say something. But I feel like he, he improved over the course of the year. The quality analysis that we have here on the, oh, the Beast League pod show. Napkin math uh, at, at its best. Um, no, I mean, so, he had one so really good him... month. He had one really, really good month. Um, not really that crazy good, but it, it, like good in terms of um, like walk rate and whatnot. But um, his, I think his strikeout rate got better in the second half. Um, he had, August was a, he walked like maybe like three people, but um it's yeah it's a winner i I honestly like the what are the drawbacks there's nothing in his profile that suggests like he's gonna fall off 
there's nothing like he's got a bad pitch. He's not like a two pitch pitcher or he's not a, he's, I think he's going to be good for the next couple of years. Um, and I looking at these other guys, there are more question marks about everyone else after him. And that's kind of the the bigger narrative about the top 20, top 30, or top 40 of pitchers that we kind of, we haven't touched on the, the whole, the, the market of starting pitching. Cause all these pitchers are, t- are kept basically. In general, I don't see a huge difference between number four and number 18 and number 32. Really? Uh, we're, not ta- we're not talking about the upper tier is not that huge. And it's not that well, good. So, so and I think, I guess I would argue my upper tier for the first time, whereas in years past, it's like top two and, you know. And then like, everyone else. And yeah, and then like, and then like the next bunch is like a 20. And then there's, then it's really a crapshoot. I think it's kind of come together more. Like I look at this and I'm like, okay. Um, and, and we're looking at like Musgrove, Cease, Morton, Ray, uh, Freed, Bieber, Gallen. They're to me, those guys and Musgrove in that group are clearly in a, in a different tier than my top 10. So and admittedly, like short towards the end of the top 10, it gets, you know, it gets closer. Right. Like, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, there's, I, I, I can't say that there are any huge red flags with, with Musgrove. Right. I, the one thing in terms of consistency, like when we look at his year end, it's like, you know, he's got a 5.7 walk rate. That's not bad compared to like, I mean, even Sandy uh, and Alcantara is like 5.6. So yeah, like, so it's not that's not bad, but at the same time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe I watched some games of August, in August where he couldn't walk anybody, and then I watched games like in you know early in the year or whatever where maybe his walk rate. That's what I mean in terms of like consistency. Oh, and sure. sure, if we look at first half and second half, that would be an interesting stat to see if you own Musgrove or if you're interested in like drafting him or whatever, just to see like to your point, maybe he did make you know a jump midseason kind of and, and, and can continue that path forward i'll also just point out that you were the guy that believed in lucas giolito who is terrible and i was right so just saying i yeah there's some things you just can't explain i just can't explain why he can't figure it out i'm telling you i think it's mental makeup and i have not i have not spoken with him it's not stuff but like i i can't you know it's like people who are like uh you know sofa shrinks that are saying that donald trump is um you know sociopath like well i'm not gonna say i can say that there are a lot of things in there that i just observe that would lead me to believe that would be a conclusion but i can't put it like a formal diagnosis on it and musgrove to me hopefully he doesn't turn out to be like a giolito but giolito's awful like i don't even think giolito gets drafted next year you you clearly want him on your team. Good for you. Uh, good. Well, at, at, a, at a certain price, sure. But anyway, my, the bigger point here is that, like, what's the difference between Joe Musgrove and Tristan McKenzie? Great question. And, right. and, that, and that's where, well, so I, I will say, like, I think. And where would you put McKenzie? I'd probably put him farther down on, like, in the yeah. 20s, maybe. But then, like, what's the major difference between him and Musgrove? Right. Well, the, the difference is that, to your point, Musgrove has been on the stage for longer, right? He's done so, it for like four years. Mackenzie's done it for one. One. Yeah, that's the difference. Uh, but and, and then there's the question of, you know, do you think McKen- do you think that Musgrove has another level? Um, 
And I'd say like after three or four years, you kind of know what you have to your point. He's entering his prime maybe. And maybe in the second half, he took off. Like I, that, that'd be an interesting thing to see with McKenzie. Like there's a lot more risk involved there. I think that's the difference. Right. Sure. Let me throw it's, you a, a completely a little different name just to, to com- just to compare this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've talked about, McKenzie is similar to like Logan Gilbert is in, in this list that it's pretty close to this stuff. Uh, these guys and Kyle Wright is another name, but if you keep going down a little, just a teeny tiny bit further, like Jose Barrios had a terrible, terrible, terrible year. Yeah. Is he top 30? No, he's not. He's not for me anymore. And, and, um, I, I don't know if he ever was, but like, he's an example. He Giolito'd like he, Right. So um, we, we, we haven't talked about some of the, the elite pitchers that have just fallen off a cliff. Julia. And there's another one that Aries. I just want to throw out there that I think is interesting, which is neither of us have Jacob deGrom in our top 10 projections nope. for next year. Nope. Terrified. Terrified. I think there is, I think it's intriguing. I have no idea what's going to happen in Texas. Um, but I don't know, man. Like it's, it's, it's one of those, it's a Byron Buxton. Yeah. It's a Byron Buxton where like, and mind you, he only hit 225 this year, but he had 28 home runs in 95 games. Like, you know what I mean? Like he would have, uh, wouldn't have hit 60, but, but he doesn't, he's, that's like the, the second most games yeah, that he played it, in his career. And like the ground to me is the same where it's like, if you, you want know. to be, uh, if you want to use some creative license here, you could go out on a limb and say like DeGrom plus scrap heap, whatever your sixth starter is or seventh starter is, um, is that better than, you know, um, some other pitcher? And you could be creative. I, I just, you, you know me, like I've, I've, I've screwed up so many times in pitchers and I've, you know, with Giolito or name sale or, or whoever, like, I've hung on to certain players who have injury problems or have just erratic problems. I'm trying to minimize uh, risk. Risk, yeah. And I'd rather find profiles and or players that are a little bit more stable and and with an inch upwards. I don't need the Buxton slash DeGrom slash whatever is like a, yeah, he could be the number one player in baseball. He, He also could be dead last and awful. And yeah, he might he might only throw two two games. Like uh, he, yeah. might, he, he literally Jack, might throw Jack fifteen Flaherty. innings. A Jack year. Flaherty. What do you do with Jack Flaherty? Well, I do want to point out when Jack Flaherty was on my team, he never got hurt, <laughs> and so. and I did I did like him. But I, do you remember like back when he broke out and it was kind of no one saw that breakout coming, and he, I think he was very successful for like a year and a half. But between injuries and kind of like when he came back, it's like it's it's almost like a, a Mike Clevenger thing for me, where it's like, is this did they figure this guy out? And now that he's lost that like mile and a half or, or like whatever it is, like you know what I mean, like in speed, mm-hmm. losing whatever it is, like does that just make him like a junk ball pitcher now? And I kind of based on both Clevenger and Flaherty, how they kind of have come back flat. I definitely don't have confidence in them. Like I was still between like a Flaherty and a sale next year. Yeah. Despite the fact that sale gets, and you like you're married to sale, but my point, like <laughs> it, let's say he gets, let's say sale gets hurt again next year and Flaherty gets hurt again next year. Like 
I still think there's a better chance that the inning sale is going to give you are going to be good. Whereas like, I have no confidence in Flaherty. Like, I, I don't think I'm interested in even taking a flyer on him anymore. I, I, um, they're, they're all the same. You're right. Like Clevenger, all, all these guys that uh, they got injured and that they come back and you're not sure if they're going to get injured again, they might be injury prone, but their stuff is, is kind of the other problem. Like you don't right. have anything to lean on. You're not sure if they're going to return to that previous norm. Sale didn't. Clevenger right. didn't. Uh, well, and it's, like, and it's even like, but like a guy like DeGrom, that's the difference between him and those guys where it's like, yeah. okay, when he pitches, there's nothing wrong. It's that's, just, that could, that's Chen's problem, not mine. And I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting that you're looking to minimize risk. And whereas like, I, you know, I'm more interested, obviously, with my pickup of Buxton last year. It, of course, it bit me in the butt because I I thought Buxton and Tim Anderson, I thought I was going to get, you know, 160 games of Tim Anderson. Uh-huh. And, and then that kind of made the Buxton risk a little bit more tenable. And then it turns out like I'm starting like Hassan Kim at shortstop in the finals. And it's, it's like, shoot me, you know, like, mm-hmm. but anyway, I guess my point with that is just that like, I think I'm, I'm in the past may have been less or I've been more risk averse. Now I'm kind of like, Guys like that intrigue me, and I'm I'm sometimes willing to take that chance, like I did with Buxton, and and like you know, yeah. which which is like again, Chen might be sitting there being like, yeah, I'm a ride or die Degrom, totally cool, okay. um, and I and like I get it. Um, at the same time, like he's the riskiest of you know the top thirty. Absolutely. So let's close out. I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, and now that we've gone through kind of a lot of the starting pitchers, we're not going to go through everything because we don't want to tip our hands on everything, but you texted me something very provocative and saying that you might keep a lot of starting pitchers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And what so this is going through your mind because you know what I'm going to say. Well, you know, my policy all along is never keep pitching. Right. Um, I've said that for five, 10 years. Yeah. Why? As for the most part, have I, um, and, and when, what I, you know, in the past, what I would do is I'd keep Verlander and Cole, which is a pretty good, like one, two, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, so I was, I've been fortunate to have guys like that, that are kind of, that were at the time, like top tier. Um, now I think it's like a, it's more of a crapshoot. And the reality is I just looking at my roster, um, you know, I'm finding that the like position players that are like, especially younger guys, I feel like a lot of them don't get like the everyday at bats and it's just, there's more risk on that side versus like, so I'm looking at potentially like Nestor Cordes, Kyle Wright, Zach Gallen, um, you know, guys like along those lines. And it's like, I'm pretty confident that they're going to have their spots versus my one to three. My other guys are just like Williams Contreras apparently is worthless to Atlanta. And I was like, is, is Sean Murphy that much better than a guy who's five years younger? Like maybe defensively. And that's the reason for the trade. But I saw that trade and I was just like, good for the brewers, man. Like. Yeah. I, I think the I very small print on that trade was that William Contreras is a terrible defensive catcher. He needs Probably. to DH. Like, like, he needs like to his DH. brother. Well, yes and no, like, like his brother, like it's not, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, but I'm sorry, but his counting stats are, I mean, a catcher. Um, so he's, I don't understand the appeal. Well, and again, it's, it's real life versus fantasy. I'm looking at it from a fantasy perspective and I'm just like, if I had right. William Contreras, who's a one to three, I wouldn't trade him for Sean Murphy. 
I don't yeah, see that I much mean, of an upgrade. The defense is defense. Sean Murphy's among the best. So um, yeah, which and is it's a cheap contract and, and whatever. No, no, anyway. understood on that end. But yeah, so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, but it just anyway, back to the pitchers. You, you, this is more more of a. I guess it, it it the nature is it your your team makeup is mostly most of the value is in the pitchers, right? Correct. And 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 I like for those listening, I'm interested in trading those guys for for you know whatever. I mean, the, the other thing to, to specific to my team is that I'm looking at like I've got Kirk and Williams Contreras, both of whom I like, both of whom I think are keeper worthy, but I'm not keeping two catchers. Um, <laughs> And because that's a chip thing to do. And that's, I that's, just, I have, I own that patent. You cannot, you, you owe me that's money what I'm saying. to do that. So like, so like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'd like to keep one of them. Um, but you know, anyway, so it's, I look at that and then I have, of course, Darvish and um, Verlander who I think I compared to the league, I value them more than what most people do. So they're kind of untradeable. Um, and I'm cool with, you know, riding with them. Um, until their arms completely fall off, but um, I don't like it's. it's I, I don't like keeping pitching, and I do want to point out in our conversation, one of our league owners had mentioned keeping going the Vishnu route and keeping two potential closers. And did you buy that? Do you think that's a real thing, or do you think that's a ruse? I think a it's ruse. a ruse. It's all a right. Ruse. It's a ruse. I mean, yeah. You actually have two closers who are really intriguing. If you were not in your your curtain situation oh class a is yeah i say and muñoz are both fascinating yeah in particular class a muñoz the the thing with muñoz i like him a lot but who knows what the mariners are going to do like scott service even last year he wouldn't go to muñoz he's still used other guys so it's like there's there's less certainty there but like class a to me is like you know, back when Vishnu would keep the power guys like the Chapman and Manson yeah, and stuff. Is like one of the only closers you would even consider. Correct. Um, and mind, I think yes. Munoz is not valued in the, the the traditional CBS rankings because of holds, but he, right. he was among the top in the holds. I had to drop him in the middle of the year. And I know. I love up, that. I love uh, because that. Because I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle having two Mariners relievers. That just seemed weird. Um, yeah, and, had, and you picked the wrong one. And I picked the wrong one. So, like, his Ks are crazy uh, yep. next year. I think he might get 100 um, or 90 if he if he does have the role and he, he gets a lot of innings. Um, yeah, and that's a good really point, good. too, where I was, I was thinking more from a safe position when I was talking about, like, the he'll still get holds and stuff. So, yeah, that, yeah, there's value there. But he's not really on my radar to keep. Class A really is. Um, and But, like, again, to your point, I just – I, I always struggle with keeping pitching. And then I look at like the, the position position players available and I'm just like, Oh, I want to throw up. Like I'm going to lose Kirk or Williams Contreras. And like, I'm going to end up with Nomar or Vias again. And you know what I mean? Like, oh, just like how unexciting is that? Um, or, well, or hey, maybe I'll just, you know, get Grandel again so he can destroy me. Idiot. <laughs> Um, oh shut up you have like jose ramirez bobichette acuna and i'll probably like the varsho you're probably going to keep because of his uh yeah his he's in the rumor i if he goes to houston man i love that i love that if he sure. goes there and, and you'll, you'll you'll keep merrifield won't you i mean second base vet on the on the blue jays absolutely not he doesn't even have a position <laughs> merrifield is 
I, I never should have traded for Merrifield. And this then Anderson and Buxton. You have a number of players. Anyway, point is. This is the second year in a row where I've traded. Remember last, so I got poisoned, made some trades for like um, Kenta Maeda-san who got hurt. And then Wellhung Ryu got hurt. And this last year I traded Vishnu for like Donaldson and Merrillfield. And both of them were, I was like, they've got, they can't be this bad. They were. Okay. So you, just for the listeners, Alex was not poisoned. Uh, however, I, I there's more evidence that the players were poisoned once they were traded to you. Well, I that, that's yeah, really I mean, I think I got one of them from Sunny 6K, so that wouldn't surprise me if you poisoned them. <laughs> I mean, that is straight up Sunny 6K attitude. So I, 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 anyway, so I, I would just transition quickly. Are, are we good with pitching? I want to transition really quickly. And yeah, give me some. I think, anyway, the starting pitching is a, um, a, a cesspool, and I, 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 I don't value... I don't know if I'm going to be paying up early in, in starting pitching. Maybe I'll eat my words and, and during the draft, I'll, I'll pick four of them on my top five picks. Yeah. But I, I just well, don't see it happening. I think that the way that it might play out is and kind of similar to what I did last year. I really targeted specific players knowing that I get them later. Right. Like I knew I was out on the Rodon. Like, so f- for example, like Rodon's available in the first round or Musgrove, right. If these guys are not kept, those guys are first rounders, but then, I'm okay waiting until like the third or fourth to pick and choose between, you know, what's going to be that, that third tier, which maybe for our listeners, it would help. We can do like, we did the top 10 today, but we can talk a little bit about like the top 30 and see if, see if we can't find like different, if we see the same tiers and the same patterns and things like that with, with what's going to maybe available in the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we could do that maybe then later uh, in the off season. We'll do other positions first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's the, yeah. here's the thing. Before you go, I know you have to leave, but I want to throw this out there. Took the day off, most of the day off today, watching Braveheart. I'm trying to think of, like, Braveheart characters and associating them with Beef League mm. uh, teams. And so the only one that, like, I've hammered home is that Sunny 6K is definitely the English prince. You know, like always going to like his military council to like, you know, but not really doing anything. 100% him. Who's Lion um, Shanks or uh, uh, the king? The king? I don't, I think that of everybody in Beef League, I can flat out be the meanest. I don't know <laughs> if I'd be like, so like if I was a Braveheart character, I think I'd could potentially be long shanks i don't know like yeah. strategic he's a pretty good uh he's good at strategy but like and we have other people he's in the league throat. where he's cutthroat uh, yeah yeah see i think the cutthroat part is the part that i that i have i think the strategy there are others in our league who are strategic and probably would do that but but i don't think anyone's as mean as me mm. so okay. i would probably be long shanks who am i, I so uh, that's a great question um, part of me is kind of like, I could see you being a good, so this is weird, but Uh-oh. I kind of, I kind of see you and your dad as Amish <laughs> and his dad <laughs> where like, you know, you, you, like you're the muscle and the heart and like, and your dad, like and Amish's dad's like totally like your dad, like lift the gate with an arrow being like, get in there. Like, yeah. yeah. And then like, off the and arrow then get, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they're like, you know, pull the arrow out and they're, put that hot iron on him and he gets up and he's like, Oh, I'll wake you up in the morning. I was like, I could see Dan Streif being like nonchalant about, you know, getting that type of wound tended. And so I kind of see you as like you and your dad as Amish and his dad. 
Okay. So I put a little thought into this. Oh, yeah, so far. Um. Uh. Okay. Who is William Wallace then? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's so that's a tough one. That is a tough one because, like, right off the bat, we're just saying that this person's the best. So, I I, I don't know if I'm going to throw anyone's name out for William Wallace. Um, the other one that I think I could have been was the Irish dude because I'm kind of crazy. So. For those of you who like, I'm, I can be mean and maybe strategic, but I can always be crazy and like, you know, but like have a good heart. So I could be like one of those two. I, I don't know. Like, do you, do you, any thoughts come to mind? You know, like, um, let's, let, let's put it to the listeners and, and let them ask, uh, let them fill in the details. Cause, uh, yes. Okay. There's, there's a maybe next week we can come back and have some new recommendations because this is a, this is an important decision. Um, I know, and I put you on the spot, but it was just something. It's, a, it's important that we do this right. Um, yes, I think I know. If not the prince, if Sunil's not that 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 prince, I have Sunil's the prince. I know it's so. I have another one, but I'm I'll, I'll keep that to myself of another uh, character. Uh, I'm very curious of who jay is uh that's a good one jay, i he, think I, there's a, if a couple contestants but uh contenders on that one uh zavo um we have to first confirm he's even seen braveheart because that's a, uh, oh my god that is such a great point thank you I mean, for bringing that up i think he has and and my guy for zavo i i think zavo is you know the guy who with the star who's like number two or like number three or whatever for under William Wallace, but like, you know, kills, kills the Lord because he slept with his wife and otherwise is, you know, a good fighter and everything. I kind of like that's Zavo to me. Mm. I could see Zavo being him. If we were to cast the beef league as, as uh, in Braveheart. I, I could see that. And I, I think we got to, we got to spend some time on this a, a bit more than just uh, five minutes, but maybe Fair six enough. or seven so hours. That's, this seven is hours everyone. Hours. Yeah. Everyone, including Chip and me, this is our homework for the next week. Um, casting Braveheart with beef with Beef League uh, teams, uh, team owners. Um, I think that would be fun. You know, and the maybe just as the uh, final uh, name to start thinking about and connecting. Uh, just the one that I keep thinking, going back and forth, and and trying to who is the um the robert the bruce robert yeah. the bruce is is the one i'm trying to think of and fit first if because if you get this one figured out i think the rest gets straight it, it gets pretty straight and easy um so i'm going to be per percolating on that one and we need to figure out william wallace too and Muron. I mean, to someone's me. gonna be have to be Muron, right? The lady. Uh, the one that does. <laughs> well, I was thinking of like the princess probably deserves, you know, because she's she's uh she's got her thing going. Hmm. Um but um yeah, no, Robert the Bruce, William Wallace is gonna be the toughest, I think, because For sure. regardless of where we land on that, whoever that is is ultimately the winner of this exercise. So right. yeah. um the hero of the story. So I, I want to definitely put more thought into that. Um, and maybe I might combine a couple people to be William Wallace, certain characteristics of certain people. Um, I think that's a cop out, but okay. Okay. hundred percent cop out, but 
like hundred percent. So people, if you're listening, let us know who you think you are. And if you have any other casting uh, matches, then please send us an email at chicagobeefleague.com or excuse me at gmail.com. I want one last one recommendation of, of, of names. It wasn't, was Brian Cox's character, the, uh, uncle, the uncle who, who, uh, takes care of William. Um, yep. And teaches him like seven languages and takes him to Rome on a I pilgrimage. That, I think I have an idea of someone there. Uh, but I'll let the, the, the group, I, there's someone who fits that. Oh, wow. Are you going to remember by the time we've no, not at all. Next In 10 week? minutes. I'm going to forget this. So please everyone listen to this and uh, hold me accountable. Oh, you're, oh, you're going to forget. Okay. Hey, what day is everyone. This? What day is thank this? you for God. Thank you for listening. Uh, and we will catch you next week. May God have mercy on our souls. Love you all. Bye-bye. This episode is produced by High Aldwin Productions, a subsidiary of the Hubbardwoods Collective, a S&P company. Okay.